You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Mean Old Lion Media presents Wardrobe Boss. Hey, welcome to the Wardrobe Boss podcast. I'm Eliza Perilla, your hostess, the Wardrobe Boss, and I'm here to chat about personal styles, successful mindsets, and living your best life on purpose. As a personal style coach and home organizer, part of my mission is to help people see who they genuinely are in a positive light. And I think we can all agree that we all need encouragement and community to remind us of who we are from time to time, even when it comes to style. And, you know, a big part of style has to do with weight loss and weight gain. And the proof of that is seeing inclusive sizes in fashion right now, which is really refreshing. Uh, But being healthy in the area of food and fitness can be super challenging for all of us. So today, fitness master D Vega of D Vega Fitness is here to share about her program and how it's changing lives, especially through long-term weight loss. You heard me right, long-term. And it's naturally, it's not through pills or, you know, shots or nothing like that. It's naturally. So D Welcome to the Wardrobe Boss Podcast. Hey, Eliza. Thanks for having me. That's quite the intro. You make me sound so like official. You are official. (laughs) That's why you're here. Um, You know, Dee, I help people live their best lives starting with their wardrobes. And you help women, especially busy moms, live their best life by helping them lose weight forever. And that sounds so intimidating to me. So how do you approach such a tall order? Sure. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons why people struggle with weight loss because it is, or can be very overwhelming, very intimidating. Like where do I even start? There's so much information, information overload actually that, um, that you could find things that contradict each other. You can find things that are like, well, this person, this quote unquote expert saying this, and this quote unquote expert saying this, and it, it just, you're just kind of like a dog chasing your tail when it comes to just trying to be like, but what do I need to do? You know, I just want to know what I need to do. So when I work with, um, you know, my clients, many of them are moms. Um, many of them are just like busy women professionals who just are, don't have the time to kind of sort it out or have been struggling on their own to try and figure it out. We really what I think my program does is it really breaks it down into just small, sustainable changes. It's not this overwhelming thing. Like we're not doing all the things, we're not changing all the things at the same time. Really when it comes to sustainable weight loss, what we're really talking about is a lifestyle change. And what you do daily is going to greatly impact whether you're going to be successful with these changes or whether you're just going to kind of keep spinning your wheels. And so my focus, my, my focus or my program's focus is really on those daily habits, those daily routines, um, focusing on changing those, taking small cha- making small changes in your daily routines that is ultimately going to move the dial. And, and once you have your routines, 
and those habits set in place, the things that you're going to do consistently day, day in and day out, those are the things that are going to be the driver of change. So then when you actually get to attacking your, let's say, weight loss goal and applying that nutrition goal, um, it's sustainable. It's easy to do because you have some of those habits and behaviors that you've been chipping away at. And so it's not this daunting task of, hey, I want to lose weight and I, I got to eat only these foods and do this and that. It's it's just really focusing on, hey, what can I do sustainably every day that's going to move me closer towards my goal? Now, one thing I know about you, D, is that you used to be a coach for, um, was it for soccer or for mm-hmm. For, right, a soccer coach, right? So you really have, I know this, I know this about you. I know that you have such an intense background with um, being an athlete yourself and then training athletes and that kind of stuff. And so I'm curious with all the, I mean, we may be on information load, but I see you as being on double, triple information overload because you're in the industry and you know this and you really know the do's and the don'ts. So how long and how did you come up with your program and what's the best thing you like or love about it? Sure. So, you know, yeah, that's right. I I coached uh, college soccer for six or seven seasons. I don't quite remember exactly now. It seems like a lifetime ago, but, um, What's great about coaching is that coaching is coaching. And so, you know, whether you're coaching athletes, whether you're coaching, you know, people, just general population who just are trying to live healthier lives, um, humans are humans and, you know, they have the same struggles now be a relative to their particular circumstances, right? And an athlete might be struggling with something completely different with a general population person, but it, it's still a struggle nonetheless, right? So I... Um, you know, just my experience of working with people in a coaching kind of um, atmosphere or environment, and then specifically coaching people through their fitness and nutrition goals, I I really kind of came up with this program just based on my experience and what I saw that was missing in people's um, why they weren't hitting their goals, why were they still struggling, and then. So I took that information and then my own personal journey really kind of like set my set the groundwork and the framework for my program because I have two um, little girls myself. And, you know, when you have like your first kid, it, it's kind of a dish show, right? You have your first kid and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm just trying to keep this kid alive. Like that's like a check mark in the right box, you know? And then yeah, I was able to kind of like, okay, I got this, like I'm doing all right. And, and, um, you know, my husband, he travels a ton for his job and so he's gone often. And so a lot of times it's just me and, you know, the newborn. And so once you kind of get that schedule down, it felt good, you know, fast forward to having the second kid and this show is like an understatement. I don't even know what to call it. Like just like a nuclear explosion. I don't know. Just my life was a mess. And so, you know, mind you, I'm experiencing this. My, my life is just, and it's not like I just had the baby. This is like six, nine, ten months after you know having my second child, and husband still traveling. I'm still working full time, and my day job is I'm helping people, you know, hit their fitness goals, reach their like live their lifestyles, and I'm like feeling terrible. I have body aches and pains. I don't like the way I look. I don't have confidence. I feel really weak. I just don't like my lifestyle point blank period. And, and I was stuck in what I call in my program, like this victimhood mentality, where I, 
just was kind of living in this cycle of like, oh, I don't have any time. I just, I, it's just me and I'm blah, blah, blah. And I just kept like living in this loop. And then I get annoyed with myself. Like, ew, you sound real gross right now. Like, how do we, how do we like kick out of that? Like, stop it. How do we kind of get back on track? But what happened was it was just that loop of like, boo-hoo, woe is me. Oh my gosh, stop thinking those things. And then I would just repeat that. And I was just stuck in the cycle. And I just kind of had like a, kind of like a breaking point or a come to Jesus moment where I was like, girlfriend, like you do this for a living. You, this is what you do in your day job. Like you actually have the skill set to like figure it out for yourself. <laughs> so I just kind of had a hard conversation with myself and I was like, is this true? Do you really not have any time? Like, let's look at your lifestyle. What are you spending your time on D? Like, what are you doing? And you know, inevitably it wasn't true. I was doing stupid stuff. Like, social media rabbit holes and like watching like stupid television programs and you know like all the things because I earned this because I do blah 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 you know all the stuff I'm telling myself right and so once I was able to kind of like check myself and be like hey is this narrative actually true and then when I investigated like where I'm spending my time I was able to be like okay you know what if this is my goal I just like I just want to feel better what are some things that I need to do to do that? And so I set up my lifestyle to where I wasn't creating more time. We don't create more time. That's a silly thing. It's more like, hey, I just need to use my time more efficiently. And so I was able to kind of um, adjust my mindset so that I can receive new information that is actually true and get out of that victimhood mentality and transition into what I call my program, that trailblazer mentality. And that's the mentality where like, information is um, helps you. Um, we're growth minded. How can it's not we're not focused on like, why this? Why that? It's more of like, how? Okay, that's happening. How do I make it better? How do I fix this? How do I um, move the dial towards my goal? And so once I was able to do that and set up my lifestyle, I was able then to finally attack my nutrition goals and then my exercise because I couldn't do those things without my mindset being reined in, without setting up my lifestyle to support those goals. And that's essentially what my program, the Optimize You Blueprint, Blueprint is. It's those four pillars, mindset, lifestyle recalibration, uh, nutrition, and movement. And they're in that order for the reason that I feel like makes this that makes the most sense because if you aren't able to accept new information and apply new information and be okay with, hey, you know what? I'm not failing. I'm just getting some feedback. Hey, this isn't working. How do I how do I tweak this? Um, and then once you have that door open and you're able to kind of apply and receive new information, then it becomes like, okay, how do I set up my schedule so that that lifestyle re recalibration? How do I set up my schedule so that I'm not doing silly shit that doesn't move the doesn't move the needle towards my goal you know because there's so much of that crap out there like I, i'm not we're not going to be spending time doing waste trainers and detox teas and wasting your money on stupid stuff right we're going to make sure you're doing stuff that is actually based in research that is proven to work right and then once you have those habits and you're working on certain lifestyle uh habits that is going to be the bedrock of a sustainable, healthy lifestyle, let alone, like besides weight loss, this is the lifestyle that's going to be the sustaining part once you hit your goal. These are the things you just do regardless because it's a lifestyle change. Then we can introduce that nutrition piece. And I think 
a lot of programs, they start with the nutrition piece and someone's lifestyle isn't set up to support that. And so it becomes very overwhelming and they end up quitting like two, three weeks later, you know? So that's a really long-winded answer to say, that's how I kind of stumbled upon the Optimize You Blueprint through my just experiences with previous clients and then realizing, hey, the there's a major lack of like that mindset and actually like how to set up your lifestyle so you can hit your goals. Um, I'm so glad that was this long answer because just in you saying that I got so much for myself. So I'm like sitting here laughing at myself. And the first thing which I will absolutely raise my hand and say and admit with no shame or guilt is that yes, I, Eliza Perilla, the wardrobe boss, have fallen into the victim mentality on so many occasions. And, you know, I think it's so important for me to admit that because us as women have this standard that we hold ourselves to, that we have to have everything great in every area of our life. And that's not going to happen. And you know, this season of, you know, not to get off of what you're saying, but I'm going somewhere with this. This season of my life has taught me, this particular season that I'm in, has taught me some great lessons. And one of the lessons that it has taught me that has really changed my life is the lesson of time. Um, and when you said what you waste your time on, when I tell you that it, it's been maybe... I would probably say I've gone a whole 24 hours. Yes, I can admit this without falling into the rabbit hole of the freaking Instagram because it takes me down. And the truth is I do not, I have to watch my time. Every single decision I make now is based in time because of where my life is, what my situation in life is. So I even told my niece yesterday, I was like, I will give you this amount of my time, but if you're going to take me down the complaining route and you're not going to listen, then I'm not going to have time to listen to the same complaint all the time because my time is too short. And I've never even taken that into account. And so, yes, um, I can admit that I'm one of those people, but I also don't give myself um, credit sometimes because, you know, managing what's going on in my personal life, like with my, with a sick um, parent and then doing my life and managing two households in two different um, you know, very far away from each other. Like, it's just all, it really is a lot for me. And I didn't realize how big it was. And so now I'm getting to a little tiny bit of a place of assessing how I manage my time and following through with that, if that makes sense. And that's why I wanted to have this conversation with you, right, Dee? Because I do it through wardrobe. I enhance people's lives through wardrobe. You do it through fitness. But the truth is that we all need somebody. And another thing that I wanted to say about what you said is that if people don't come from a mindset of any kind of coaching, they're not even going to understand what it takes for coaching. And that's something that I learned that, you know why? Because we have this mentality of, 
I don't know why, a life coach. And a life coach is only supposed to speak great things into you and they speak the things and they make it all better. And then you take it and you just run with it. No, it's not like that. When you're in, you know, I always think of astronauts, right? The or Olympic people, right? They have vigorous training. It's mindset training is visualization training. Like I don't come from that. I come from I do what I want with my time. And that is dangerous. Girl, that is dangerous. And I'm learning how dangerous that is. 24 hours in the day is not going to change. And so all of these things need to be put into perspective. Am I conquering it? No. But am I doing the best I can for now? I really am. Today, just to, you said that, and I was like, it kind of made me feel a little better because I had to make a decision today. Today's my mother's birthday. And I wanted to go over there and make sure I'm taking care of her and taking every, taking care of everything. But not only did I have my podcast, I have business that I really need to tend to. And I actually had to say, you know what? You're going to sit this one out. And there's other families, thank God that just for today, they can go take care of it. And I took her out yesterday and she was like really disappointed that I couldn't go today. I cannot be everything to everyone, everywhere at every time. And I had to sit this one out and it's hard. Because when your parent is sick, you want to be like, now I'm the mother, she's the child, right? And so, you know, again, I had to make a decision with what to do with my time. And so here we are. And, um, you know, all of that is encompassed and addressed with what you said. So thank you um, for your answer. Um, Before I get to the next question, another question popped up for me. Um, When someone does not have a mindset of what it is really to be coached, what would you say to someone who's going into a real coaching situation? Because you're a professional coach. So I'm assuming you come at things with a coach mindset. So someone who's a complete novice, who doesn't know anything about a coach and thinks the life coach is on Instagram, how do you get that person acclimated or what suggestions would you give them to get acclimated to dealing um, and being under the guidance of a true coach? Well, first, before I answer that question, let me just say a big flipping applause for you, Eliza, for just kind of realizing coming to that conclusion, just like I can't be everyone to everything every second of the day. And that's like, just a major important thing to realize. And you also said some really great things there about as women, we try to this idea of being perfect is kind of like, always just circulating on social media, whether it's looks, dress, fitness, mom, partner, it's just nauseating. And so um, the idea of like giving yourself grace is like an like something novel, just like being able to be like, it's okay to make mistakes. In fact, that's actually where you grow the most. And I want to actually say too, that yes, the goal is going to be, you know, being in that trailblazer mindset with my clients. But please know who we are human and we, I will be in a victim. I was in a victim mindset yesterday. I will be in a victim mindset today at some point. It's not like in one or the other, right? We're going to kind of vacillate between the two, but the goal is to be in that trailblazer mindset more time than we're in that uh, victim mindset. And so it's not like 
one or the other. It's not black or white necessarily, right? It's just, hey, can we kind of, we know we're going to have like one foot in one of them at some point during the day, during the week, during the month, whatever. It's about, okay, I know what's happening here. I recognize this cycle. How do we kick back and be like, what am I going to do about it? And that's when that trailblazer mindset takes over. Um, So now to answer your question about what is someone who's never been coached looking to expect? You said a lot of good points in there. Uh, what I think a good coach is, and um, whether it's what I'm trying to do or just any other coach that I've seen in action, a good coach isn't someone that tells you what you want to hear. A good coach is someone that tells you what you need to hear. And not just done in a way of like blunt, hard truth, because like I said, we are humans. And so a good coach understands the player, understands what's the best way to effectively communicate this to this client, to this player, to this whatever, that they're going to be able to receive this information and yet put into action. Because, you know, when you use the sports analogy, you, you know, see like famous coaches like Bobby Knight, who would like lose his shit, chuck chairs, be very, you know, like just these aggressive, violent behaviors. And then you have like just the opposite, um, you know, players, coaches like Tony Dungy and other famous coaches who uh, don't swear, who talk calmly to players, you know. And so it's that thing applied to just real people minus the whole throwing of chairs because that would be real weird if like your life coach was like, what are you doing? And it's like breaking their windows or something. But I honestly think what you can expect or what you could look for if you're looking to get coached, um, whether it's making a lifestyle change, whether it's strength training, whether it's working with, um, you know, a nutritionist or a registered dietitian, it's someone who's going to meet you where you're at. So they're setting realistic expectations for you. And then they have a blend of pushing you, challenging you realistically, um, telling you you're doing a great job. So it's kind of like coaching. It's like a fine line of coaching with empathy, but also Hey, like we're going to have a tough conversation. You know, you're telling me X, Y, and Z, and I just don't think that's happening based on the results. So how can we get there? You know, let's talk it through and kind of like really saying, Hey, I'm on your side, like communicating that. Cause that's the end goal to make you better. But you also got to, you're a player in it as well, right? You're an active participant. You have to do your job. And so it's a blend of those two things. And I think those are characteristics of a good coach, someone who's not just telling you what you need to do because this is their this is what they do. And they're kind of forcing their, I guess, pedagogy and ideology onto you. It's okay. This is your lifestyle. Your goal has to be your goal. Can't be my goal. Can't be the coach's goal. has to be your goal. And how can we fit that into your lifestyle to make you successful? Thank you. There are so many myths about weight loss. And it's funny when you hear people talking, you're like, what the hell is she talking about? That's not true, right? And then you hear other people say, that's good information. How did she know that? Oh, I never heard that information. I'm going to try that. So what are, I mean, there's so many, but if you can just name two myths, like the biggest myths that you're like, people get away from this. Two biggest myths about weight loss. What would they be in your professional opinion? Oh, girl, that's a tough one. Okay. Um, You know, I'd say two biggest myths um, are you have to, one of the, I think the first myth, the biggest myth is you have to take extreme, do extreme measures to lose weight, i.e., you know, not eating foods you enjoy, cutting out food groups, um, severely restricting your calories, um, 
that's a, that's a myth. You don't have to do any of those things to lose weight. Um, what's another myth that people, I guess, confuse or get wrong is they use exercise to achieve or they, they're using exercise as their only mode to achieve like the weight loss they seek without um, tapping into their nutrition. And people get that backwards, you know? Now, let me first start off by saying that exercise is wonderful. It's amazing, huge fan of it. Um, and, you know, when it comes to lifestyle changes, if someone's like, man, I need to make some changes, but the nutrition piece seems like overwhelming and they're kind of like daunted. That's, that's a bit daunting. Then heck yeah. Start with your workouts. Start just walking. Maybe that's because that's a lifestyle thing. That's going to be great for you. You know, even though it's just important for you to know that, Hey, I might not see necessarily the scale move because my nutrition isn't changing, but that's going to be part of the weight loss puzzle is just increasing your movement. Okay. So, but I think what happens is when people are like, man, I've been exercising consistently. I've been killing myself at these high intensity interval training, burn, boot camp, gym, Peloton, whatever class, fill in the blank, uh, four days a week. And I'm not seeing my, res I'm not seeing any results. And I think the big myth there is they think just by doing exercise, it's going to change the dial or change the scale number. And nutrition is the main driver of that change. Meaning if you want to lose weight, you simply have to be in a calorie deficit, no ifs and or buts about it. And so when you're talking about all the other junk that you see flying on social media, because everyone's a fitness influencer, and everyone's like, well, my grandma's mom's babysitter ate great grapefruit. And they, you know, like, everyone has a story, right? Everyone has some like, anecdotal thing that worked for them. And the difference is, hey, does you can simply ask yourself, if you're trying to decide, is this true? Is this something I want to try? Is this lady really talking truth? Or is she just not really understanding what's actually happening there? And so you simply ask yourself, is that logical? Like, is that logical to do? Like, can this lady really eat grapefruits forever? <laughs> Probably not, right? So therefore, it's not really a sustainable weight loss practice. And so um, once, so the two myths would really be, you know, you don't have to severely, like, throw your lifestyle upside down, take out all the joy that food brings you because food is joy. It's tied to culture. It's tied to experiences. It's tied to social situations. I mean, we have to do it multiple times a day. We have, so like it's tied to survival, right? So you don't want to overcomplicate that relationship and you don't want to necessarily severely restrict things that you just genuinely enjoy eating. So you don't have to do that to lose weight. And you definitely exercise is important, but if you're only exercising in the hopes of losing weight, that might not happen if you're not in a calorie deficit. That is great information. I mean, we can stop the podcast right here <laughs> and bomb, 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 bomb information. But since you're so full of great stuff, we're going to keep on going. And, you know, thank you for saying, Dee, that because I think so many people think, including me, right? Oh, well, if I was going to get, if I wanted to lose weight or work out, and this is the reason why I wanted to bring you on, 
You go hire a personal trainer, you get 20 sessions and then you come in and they work you so hard because in their mind, they're like, the harder I work this person, if they're sore for three days, they're going to know what a great trainer I am. And they give you no nutritional value. And they don't, some of them, depending on what level they are, they'll take into factor your age and your this. I'm a woman of a certain age, right? Um, so I think I know that my needs are going to be different from someone else. And the, the one thing that you do that I really love is that you can take anybody with it, whether they are a trained athlete or whether they're a woman like me, a middle-aged woman, or let me find a nicer term for that. Um, I can't think of one right now, but I'm going to work on that, but I'm in my mid glory days. Right. And so, um, you know, or someone who's in their twenties or thirties, like those kind of people have different nutritional needs, different medical needs, different, all kind of stuff. Right. And the good thing about what you do is that you work with whatever your level, whatever level you're on. I got this because you know what you're doing, Right. Yeah. So that's, that's a great point. And I will say like, it's not every personal trainer. There's probably tons of great personal trainers out there. Um, you know, I think if you're looking to work with a personal trainer, what are some things that I guess like a little checklist to make sure you're with someone who's going to ensure that you're, uh, not only like working towards your goal, but doing it in a safe manner, because, um, I found, you know, when it comes to personal training, there's kind of nothing more dangerous than someone who's, really, I guess, animated and excited, excited and passionate, but ignorant when it comes to uh, dealing with all populations. And for what you just said, you know, um, a 65 year old woman who has arthritis is not the same as a 22 year old, you know, in going in grad school or in college, their knees are way different, their joints are way different. So you have to be able to take the basic movements that every human needs to do, right? Whether it's like squats or push-ups or whatever, and be able to either find a different exercise that accomplishes those things. Um, but also that it, mainly that it's safe, like have it, you know, and so a lot of times I see, especially in like group fitness settings is that's really what's lacking is someone who is able, and it's harder, mind you, I have empathy for the group fitness instructor. It's hard to coach 30 people at the same time. And all, and you might be saying the things because I've done group fitness classes and you're saying the cues, but you know, Sally in the corner isn't getting your drift and you can't just be like, yo, Sally, stop jumping because you don't want to single someone out. So it's also like on the person who's taking the classes to have a little more self-awareness, but it's also on the instructor to make sure that they have options like if, if you just say, hey, we're going to do jump squats. Well, the person coming to your class doesn't know what to, what if you can't do jump squats? What do I do? You got to make sure that you have exercises that you can, um, you know, make appropriate for someone who can't do jumping or a lot of bounding and something, but then the opposite, maybe you progress some exercises for someone's like, I can do that, you know? So you got to kind of have a lot of those type things up your sleeve as well. But um, yeah, it's a great point. You just want to make sure that you're working with someone who, it has your goal in the forefront. And if your trainer is, if you're always leaving your sessions and you're always sore and you've been working with them for three, four, five weeks, and you're still really sore, that's not a great program because at a certain point that soreness wears off, you're going to be sore. You create muscle soreness from obviously starting an exercise routine. So if you've never moved your body or if you haven't been moving your body um, consistently, um, doing some sort of body weight or strength training, 
once you start doing that, you're going to have some soreness, right? Your body is doing new movements. That's to be expected. But you want to make sure that it's dosed effectively so that you're not walking around like an old old man hunched over, kind of like praying that you don't have to pee because you don't know how you're going to get back off the toilet because you're so sore, right? So you want to make sure that the dose is effective. But then after a while of consistently doing movements like that, the soreness gets better, it gets easier. And so the only time then that you become sore again is if you, let's say you increase your resistance, you increase your range of motion, you're doing a new exercise. Those are reasons why you would be sore. They have nothing to do with the quality and the effectiveness of your actual workout. So if you think you're like, man, I'm getting all the results because I'm super sore, it, it, it doesn't work like that. It means it has nothing to do with effectiveness. And in fact, if you're always sore, I would argue that your workouts are actually ineffective because you shouldn't always be sore. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Um, where do you think people fail the most when it comes to weight loss? And tell me three tangible ways that you help them overcome that. Oh, man, this is a great question. Um, I mean, I think there's a bunch of different ways, but if I had to kind of lump them into three main categories, I think the first huge one, I would put number one, well, number one and number two are kind of tied, maybe three. Okay. No, in no particular order. So <laughs> number one would be they choose. So just so everyone understands how weight loss works. I mentioned it earlier to lose fat, to lose excess fat on your body, you need to be in a calorie deficit and to accomplish a calorie deficit. That just means that you have to take in um, less energy than you expend. And energy is in the form of calories. Calories are energy. Calories are found in foods, drinks, anything we consume or drink. That's energy, i.e. a calorie. It's measured by calories. And so you just need to create a deficit so that you can um, essentially burn those calories to create that fat loss. And when people are like, okay, I need to lose weight, they think very short-sighted. Like, I need to lose weight yesterday in a week two weeks. I, I got a, a big trip coming up in a month. I need to drop 30 pounds. And they choose um, really unsustainable, very restrictive ways to be in a calorie deficit. And so that's my very first big mistake people make. They're choosing unsustainable ways to hit their calorie, their, 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 their calorie deficit. And that's why it doesn't result in permanent weight loss. Because mm -hmm. If you just ask yourself the simple question, can I do this for a really long time? What I'm doing right now to achieve my results, can I do this for weeks, months, depending on someone's goal, years? Um, if the answer is no, then it's not going to be sustainable. And if it's not sustainable, it means you're not going to do it, which means you're going to quit, which means you're going to gain any of the weight that you did lost back. And so that's why it's super important to pick something that is sustainable that you can carry on and do over the length of time. That's the first one. The second mistake people make is consistency. They are inconsistent. And when I'm saying consistency, I'm talking about not necessarily being perfect, not 100%, because that's, I don't think, realistic. Um, but consistency means, hey, are you doing all the things? Um, are you in a calorie deficit, I don't know, 75, 80% of the time? You know, if yes, then you're going to see results. Now, I'd say the high, let's say you're doing it 90 to 95% of the time, then yeah, then maybe your results come a little faster than someone who's doing it 70, 75% of the time. Um, but people might be consistent. They might be like, I got this on lock Monday through Friday, then the weekend rolls around and they just kind of like 
all hell breaks loose. They don't have any of that same structure that they have during their work day and they're drinking and eating and doing whatever they weren't doing during the week. And they just basically offset the Monday through Friday deficit that they had set just by some lifestyle choices on the weekend. And so consistency means not just during the week, but it means on the weekends. And then why I think too, people might struggle with consistency is let's say someone's like, I'm about to do this. I'm going to start tracking. I'm going to use lose it, my fitness pal, whatever. I'm going to start tracking my food. They do it consistently for a week or two. And then they're like, I'm not losing any weight. F this, this doesn't work. Screw this. And what happens is, is it's not broke. You're not broken. You're not losing weight. It just, you might need some tweaks. You know, those things are based on formulas. So maybe the calorie goal that you're using is actually a little too high. Maybe you're not tracking as accurately as you thought you were. Maybe, you know, there's a myriad of other things that go into um, you not seeing the results. And it's not because of the tracking. It's not because tracking isn't for you. It's because of some other things that just need a little bit of tweaking. And so that would be number two, being consistent. That's honestly maybe tied for number one, because to do anything, whether it's weight loss, whether it's uh, crush your career, whether it's to just be, to get um, good at anything, you have to be consistent, give a consistent effort. And so the third one is patience. People are so impatient and especially when it comes to weight loss, you know, if you liken it to like, I think an easy analogy is, if you look at someone's job, right? And you're like, hey, I'm just, I'm starting this new position. You wouldn't like knock on your boss's week uh, door in a week and be like, hey, when do I get my promotion? I mean, that's essentially what people are wanting with weight loss. They're like, I've been, I changed my, I changed a couple things and why haven't I lost 10 pounds in a week? And it's, and some of it is like not understanding what sustainable weight loss is because a lot of people have done these yo-yo diets where they're losing 10 to 20 pounds really fast unsustainably and then they gain it all back. And so they're thinking that's actually normal weight loss. It is not. Sustainable weight loss is anywhere from like half a pound to two pounds a week, depending on what how much weight you have to lose. And that's a bit of a mindset shift. You have to understand what, what is actually realistic. And so when you understand that, that's how you can have be more patient and have grace because you actually understand, oh, actually that's that's silly. You know, like I wouldn't demand to have a, a pay increase two, three, four weeks, six weeks, three months into my job, my new job. Why am I demanding to see results when I'm when the process maybe isn't even like fine-tuned. And so with my program, it helps address all that because the first one, we're always going to be, um, you know, my goal with my clients is to have them eat as much as possible while being in a calorie deficit. And so we're not cutting out foods. There's no special food list. There's no like, hey, these are the foods you eat to lose weight. These are the foods we never have. It's just basically flexible dieting. All food is on the table. I just, we're learned, I'm going to teach you how to budget it in a way that you can still hit your goal. So that removes that crazy calorie restriction thing that people do. Secondly, consistency. My program is set up when you have a coach, it helps with the accountability. It helps just in the inherent nature of consistency because you are reporting to someone. And so that's going to help keep you accountable a little bit, which builds on that consistency. But my program is set up. So we talked about accomplishing and um, working on those small daily changes. It's easy to be consistent because they're small and you have a hundred percent, 90, a hundred percent success rate of doing them. And once you get successful at doing things, that creates momentum and that you start stacking wins and stacking wins. And that's how you create that consistency by having um, success 
in small doses that just as cheesy as it sounds, lead to those bigger changes. And then the third and final one is patience. I just make sure before I start working with a client that I'm really clear as to what is possible. You know, if they tell me I want to lose 50 pounds in four in 16 weeks, my, you know, my program's at least 16 weeks long. Um, but I don't, I don't even think they have 50 pounds to lose. We kind of have to walk through that and be like, well, what's actually realistic? Um, if let's say if they want to lose 30, 30 pounds, I could say, well, you know, I don't know if that's realistic, but I might give them a more realistic target because once you, once you have a realistic target, if you surpass that, then that's just bonus. But if you never hit it, you're going to feel like a failure and that's going to maybe drive you farther away from your goal. I am like, so you're talking and I'm like so passionate and on fire um, for this conversation right now because you are like making it rain nuggets of nutrition wisdom that are like just so awesome. Um, I'm like in a rainstorm of nuggets <laughs> of nutrition wisdom. And I'm like, this is just so awesome. And, you know, one thing that when you said consistency, again, I'm connecting the dots for myself. And in this season, another thing I learned, and I just want to share this because I know that if I'm going through this, I'm not the only person, right? So you're the reason I brought you on is for encouragement, and I'm here for encouragement too, um, to give it and to take it. And so one thing that I got for myself, which is huge, I never even noticed this, D, until right now. But one thing that I got for myself is that I, since I have so much on my plate, I try to do everything and because I have to, because these are all things I have to do because there's nothing I can put down or wait till tomorrow because that's how much I have to do. But I'm noticing that what happens is that I'm not giving everything my full attention because I cannot. So what I've had to make a decision to do, and I'm not even kidding you, Sometimes I have to cut out my phone time with people. Not that I yap a lot on the phone, but like I have to cut corners of things that are important because I need time for this. If I don't have extra time, D, I'm not going to be consistent. So I, when I choose something, I have to give it my full attention. This is for me in order for me to be consistent. And I noticed that when, um, like there's something I do every day and it's become one of the most important things in my life. And I realized that I'm not in a season where I can put this down. It is, I even need it for my health. And it's, it's not, it's something that I do in a group. It's not just for me. And so, um, I've noticed that when things come, other things come, that's, you know, whatever it is, I'm now moving things around that when before I would say, okay, well, today I'm not going to do it because this came up today. I'm not going to do it because this is, and whatever comes up, believe me, it is important. So I'm not saying it's not, but now I have to make a decision of, you know what? I cannot sacrifice that time. I got, I have to give that my full attention. And so I'm really paying attention to what I give my attention to because some things have to get cut out. And if I have to miss a dinner or a party or whatever it is, I'm just going to have to do that because I have to stay consistent because when I stay consistent in whatever it is, I'm building, I'm building and I'm making that so important that I can stay focused on it because 
I choose to be consistent. Does that mean I have to put something else important down? Sometimes it does. A lot of times it does. Most of the time it does. But I'd rather give something my full attention than half-ass it. Because just for me, it ain't working, D. It's just not. So, and, you know, and, and I do. I do stop to look on Instagram because this is my little entertainment time. This is my downtime. This is the, what I, my brother has a saying, I forgot what it is, something about boob tube. Like, you know, you just stay in front of the TV and you're like a vegetable just to tune out or something. And so I really try not to watch TV at all because it's a time sucker that I ain't got time for. So now Instagram's my new TV and I don't even watch the news, any news. So then I stay on Instagram and I scroll and I just enjoy all the fun things. And then I'm like, you got sucked in a hole for 27 minutes, girl, get a grip. So I'm really, you know, I'm just a work in progress, but thank you for sharing that because all of that knowledge allows me to framework where I'm at and put it in its place and have a system. And that's why, again, I brought you on. That's why working with a coach is so important. That's why I'm going to keep going with the rest of my questions because we're going to have a part two of this podcast because I think what you're saying is so important. If I'm like super excited about what you're saying, then there have to be other people that are going to be super excited and totally glean from, you know, the information that you're sharing here today. So let me just, again, say thank you for being here. I'm glad you're here and I'm glad you're just dropping bombs, girl, dropping bombs. (laughs) That was such a fun and exciting conversation and informative with D Vega, master (laughs) fitness professional. And again, you can always find the Wardrobe Boss podcast on Apple iTunes or wherever you stream your favorite podcast. Thanks so much for joining. Definitely invite your friends and family and coworkers and church friends to come on in and learn something here on the Wardrobe Boss podcast. And feel free to hit me up on Instagram. That's kind of where I live, right? Wardrobe Boss on Instagram. And you can find D Vega at dvegafitness.com or on Facebook at dvega. And feel free to ask us any questions you want pertaining to this podcast. Thank you for joining us today. Wardrobe Boss is hosted and produced by Eliza Perilla. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find the Wardrobe Boss podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Wardrobe Boss is a mean old line media production. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.